0: The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family, burkreviews.com. To Burke Reviews Movie Club I'm John Burke And with me this week, as always Corey Starr Hello, hello And how are you this week, Corey?
1: You know, I'm glad that it's Friday I didn't think I was going to make it through today But, you know, pretty good How about you?
0: I have been at a beach In a fancy resort for the last four days uh, For yes. a work a work trip um, This was a... Uh, dp film training so that's ib films program for the diploma program and um i am just upping my my game trying to get better at teaching film in general i don't teach ib film right now or dp film but i might one day and i wanted to go ahead and get the training under my belt but i also want to bring some of that stuff to my film classes um and if if any of my my colleagues from the training are listening welcome Uh, i hope you enjoy the show i did talk about uh the podcast a bit um you know, because most of the people there are movie lovers, that's why they teach film, so, uh, it was, it was pretty cool, though, it was a good experience, and, um, Kathy and Taylor and, uh, her friend Autumn came up on, um, Wednesday, and they, they got to use, like, the pool, and there's a mini little, like, putt-putt golf thing, and there's, there's a bunch of stuff I didn't get to partake in, because I was in a training for most of the day, but when we got out, we went back to the beach and hung out and, uh, went to dinner and stuff, it was cool, it was a good couple of days, um, Although, I don't sleep well at some hotels. I did not sleep well at this particular hotel. Not because the hotel, just my own brain was not allowing me to rest. Same. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to maybe... I ended up taking a little nap this afternoon, in fact, but... Um, oh, jelly. Well, I didn't mean to, so... <laughs> and I... Naps usually make me feel worse. Like, I'm more tired afterwards, but... Um, okay. I didn't sleep too long, so it, it wasn't so bad, but... Mm. Um, I did manage to still see a couple of movies while I was gone this week. I didn't see as many as I normally would, but um, what have you been watching?
1: Oh my gosh, that's a great question that I wasn't actually prepared for. Well, you think Um, about it,
0: and I'll go first. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Um, So since the last we spoke, I've seen, uh, I think, six movies in total, including the movie that we're going to be reviewing tonight, uh, which I just watched today. Um, A Single Man from 2009 and we'll get into the the, uh, specifics about that but we'll be going into an extensive review of that film um, as we continue with the month of June with the LBGTQ Plus month uh, Pride Month if you will I I think next year if we do that same theme we should just call it Pride Month way easier Um, and uh, but that was not an easy movie to see I had to order it um, physical because it's not digital for some reason um, and I did get a copy of it, though, for like 8 bucks. Uh, I got real worried, though, because I ordered it Friday night, like right after we d- finished recording last week's podcast. And it was supposed to be here Sunday. And then Sunday came, and it was like, oh, it's delayed. It'll be here by Wednesday. I'm like, okay. But it came Monday. So I was like, whew, I was getting real stressed out. I wasn't going to have the movie to watch. But um, I- I'll talk about what I've seen. And then I want to talk about this bookstore I ended up finding yesterday. It was really cool. But um, so... I rented with my wife, I Can Only Imagine, the movie about Mercy Me and, like, the song I Can Only Imagine, uh, she wanted to see that in theaters and we never made it, so it's out on DVD now, so we rented it from Redbox, um, it's got some good stuff in it, it's, it's, you know, it's sappy and it's hard not to, like, get moved by it because it is, it's a story that's hard not to be connected to because it's something I think a lot of people have gone through, um, or at least maybe hope they could go through in some ways, like weird to say but like when if you have someone in your life that you want to love and you can't for some reason and they change suddenly and out of nowhere like become a new person it's hard to not like long for that i guess um but uh it was she liked it a lot more than i did um we kind of accidentally we watched national lampoon's vacation on sunday it was on like um amc or something and we ended up like the whole family just sat and watched it like before we went and did anything that day i hadn't seen vacation in a long time um i i liked the first one are you a fan of that one because that's john hughes uh script
1: i've actually never watched any of the vacations a whole one really yeah i've seen clips and i think my dad might have watched yeah, I, you know, I'm a, a big a kid,
0: fan but. of Christmas vacation. I hadn't seen regular vacation for since I was a kid, um, but it was still enjoyable. John Candy, when he finally shows up, is really funny. Um, but that day after we watched that, we got in the car, and we drove an hour to this theater called Epic Theater, which is a chain, but it's not a it's not like a big chain from what I could tell. It might even be just Florida based, but they do this thing on Sundays and Sundays and Wednesdays, Wednesdays actually where they do like retro screenings, and this, this past week was Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, or it's, it's just called Raiders of the Lost Ark, but um, I've never seen it on the big screen, and Taylor had never seen it at all, so uh, we, we all went, and we loved it. Um, the best part for me was uh, the part with all the snakes, because Kathy hates snakes. And she was squirming so much. Like, you would have thought we were watching a horror movie the way she was, like, twitching in her chair. Just like, oh, my God. And i was like, oh, man, I forgot how, you know, brutal this is. And then, of course, there is the, the little monkey dies eating the poison date. And Kathy loves monkeys, so that upset her, too. <laughs> um, but she still, uh, when we left the movie, she's like, I didn't remember him being so handsome in that. And I was like, oh, well. <laughs> um, but uh, this coming week, they're doing Dirty Dancing. And then the following week they're doing Jaws, so it looks like we're gonna be traveling to this theater for a couple of weeks in a row. Um, but uh, I then I watched a um, I had a screener sent to me uh, a film called The Icarus Line Must Die. Are you familiar with the band The Icarus Line?
1: No, me
0: either. Um, I'd not heard of them, but it's a uh, it's a quasi autobiographical fictional film. So it is the real the real singer of the Icarus Line is the the lead in the film. Um... And it's kind of showing, like, the struggles. They, like, I think they're, they're considered a hardcore band, but they they seem a little experimental. Like, they have, like, an eight-minute song, and then they'll have, like, a two-minute song. Like, they're kind of all over the place with their styles, and the band's been through several iterations over, like, 16 years. And um, they're based out of California, and it kind of shows him, like, dealing with... He runs the studio, and, like, some of the artists that come in aren't what we would call musicians. They're, like, poppy... You know, on a keyboard, things that rock musicians often despise, and it's not a great movie. It's it's somewhat interesting. Uh, there's it's way dialogue heavy. Um, I mean, like too much, where it's almost like watching a play, where they're just like standing there talking for everything. Like every little bit of information we get is predominantly told to us. Um, there's a few moments that aren't, and it's it's not bad. Um, I did I did feel like it was a little long. Uh, I have not written my review for that just yet, but I will be. Hopefully this weekend. And then last night, despite being at St. Pete Beach, um, I drove uh, 20 minutes to a a, a Cobb luxury theater um, with the recliner seats and stuff. And saw uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, uh, which I liked. I don't love. And I am a big Jurassic World, Jurassic Park. I, I like Jurassic Park 3 even. And I think it's bad, but I still like it. Um, I love Jurassic Park, one of my favorite movies of all time. I enjoy Jurassic World a lot. So I went in um, very actually uh, hesitant. I I think the trailers looked kind of bad. And there's definitely some bad stuff in this movie. It's nowhere near as good as Jurassic World. And I didn't feel like there was a specific scene that kind of stands out as like, well, at least this was there. Like in Lost World, I think Lost World is predominantly bad. But there's like two or three scenes in that movie that are amazing. That kind of stick with you even though the movie itself isn't great. I don't feel like this movie has any of that. I feel like there's good moments. Um, I love Owen and Blue. I think that relationship is so awesome and um, I want to see more of that and uh, unfortunately what's been happening is the villain is super generic and easily predictable and uh, motivations are completely unclear. We don't really get what the the goal is. It's one of the things I think that works so well with Jurassic Park, the book, versus the movie. In the book, John Hammond's kind of an asshole. And, like, in the movie, he's like Santa Claus. You know, he doesn't mean... It's not his greed... I mean, it is his greed to a degree that causes the park to have problems, but it was never about the money for him. It was about a general love of dinosaurs. And... Uh, In the book, it was partially greed. Like, in the movie, you have the lawyer who represents the greed. You know, he's like, we can charge whatever we want. People will pay anything. And Hammond immediately shuts it down. He's like, well, we're not trying to keep people from seeing it. We want everyone to see it. And the lawyer says something about, like, coupon day. So, like, that was something I always thought was really cool. Because in the book, Hammond isn't nearly as uh, likable or lovable as he is in the movie. And, um... I thought that was a great choice because it, it made the dinosaurs kind of the villains. Like, yes, Nedry's a villain, but he's a minor villain. Most of it, Almost nobody knows he's the reason things go wrong, you know? We know, but they don't know. They're just trying to survive the dinosaurs. So, like, I like that there isn't a true 100%, like, antagonist for no reason. And we even get why Nedry doesn't. Nedry's getting paid a lot. Of, and I'm sorry, I'm a Jurassic Park nerd, if that's not clear. I could talk for hours about it, but... Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, I, I say if you're a big fan of them, you'll probably enjoy this one, but have problems with it, because even uh, editor of BurkeReviews.com, David Ortega, who is a big fan of Jurassic Park, probably a bit, definitely a bigger fan than I am, but and I am a huge fan, um, he still has his issues with this movie, uh, despite being, you know, wanting to love it, he, he has issues with it, so still enjoyable if you're a fan, but I, I don't know if it's for everybody, and I can definitely see why critics are... Generally not loving it, but sorry for talking so much, Corey. Um, do you have any plans to see Jurassic World?
1: Yeah, and I was really looking forward to it. I don't expect it to be, like, you know, to change my life. I just expect mm-hmm. to have a good time.
0: At it, the it, it is predominantly a good time. I was, I might have even been judging it a little harshly because I want it to be better. And there's a few moments that definitely... There's some funny moments, and it, it moves really quick. Like it's two hours and eight minutes, but it did not oh. feel like two hours and eight minutes. Like, it it almost moves too fast i think at points like where it's like maybe you need to let this breathe a little bit like we're moving really really rapidly Can at let points me
1: take it in? yeah
0: um and so i don't know and i do want to see it a second time to really firm up my my overall thoughts on it uh david already saw it his second time tonight actually and messaged me that he thought it was better the second time because um he already knew what bad parts were coming, so like oh. he, he he said it was like ripping off a band aid. You know, like the the pain's over with. Now it's just enjoying the good stuff. Oh goodness! So no, I mean again, it, no one. I don't think anyone expects this movie to be perfect, right? You just want it to be enjoyable, Anything. and and it's got that. So, what have you been watching, Corey?
1: Okay, so I'm still know that I'm forgetting stuff because I was lazy and I don't know if I left my house this weekend. Oh. Um, but I did watch the last four episodes of The Dark.
0: Ah, good.
1: Enjoyed it. Need to rewatch it because, holy heck, a lot. I think that something that they don't necessarily do too well in that movie and it's hard to keep up because, A, it's in German. I mean, you can listen to the English like voiceover, but it's weird because it doesn't match up with their mouths moving and stuff mm-hmm. and it just was very off-putting, which is weird because I don't think that Netflix should... Like, it automatically goes to the English version. Oh. I had to go in and choose the German version. Hmm. So, I think that's weird. But, um, I enjoyed it. I just think that the flashbacks are a little hard to keep up with. Because you're, like, going through three different decades. And
0: Hmm.
1: it's a little... I think it's, like, in the 50s, the 80s, and then, like, present day. Or actually... but I mean, I'm gonna rewatch it. I just know that a lot was going on, and it was hard for me to kind of keep up sometimes.
0: How many episodes is that?
1: Ooh, I think ten or maybe eleven or twelve. Not, you know, crazy. Yeah. And I th- they're, think
0: they're they're f- they're normal oh, okay. is like thirteen. But they they some of their series are smaller. So I, I like what HBO does, like eight to ten. Um, it just seems like sometimes some of the Netflix series feel like they go too far, like too many episodes. Where like. There are episodes I feel like we could just cut this out, and the series, the season would be better. At least that's how the Marvel shows have been specifically.
1: And then, um, I started watching Bird Offerings, but haven't had a chance to go back and finish that because. Did you see? I saw Mercy Playground and Everclear and Local H last night.
0: Oh, I heard about that show on Sirius XM. Um. Hey. That's in- like, cause they like, they're on tour together, right?
1: Yeah. So Everclear does um. <laughs> It's Art Alexakis, who also has a show on Sirius XM on the Lithium channel, which is pretty yeah. rad.
0: Lithium is my favorite channel.
1: I like that one a lot. I really like Sirius XMU, and then you know the Beatles and Tom Petty. Um, mm. go ahead.
0: I I like the Sirius Turbo because it's like new metal. That's like my wheelhouse. You know, Corn, Limp Bizkit, other oh, bands. They
1: were. We're going to sidetrack for a little bit here. <laughs> they started playing limbiscuits Nookie on the... On the uh, I think it was Lithium yesterday. And I was just like, are you real?
0: They play Does some weird stuff on, on lithium? lithium. I heard um, Luscious Jackson today on my yes. way home. And I was like... It, but it didn't sound like the right version of the song. Or my brain has like...
1: Was it made, Naked Eye?
0: It was Naked Eye, but it's it felt like a different version. Like it didn't feel as... I don't know. It didn't feel full to me. Like I remember the song well. And it just felt like there was like an instrument missing or maybe it was just not coming through like completely or something i don't know it didn't feel like the song i remembered listening to back in the day um i don't know but i always liked that song
1: yeah it's a good song and i love the christmas song they did for a gap <laughs> but um <laughs> uh oh but so every they were doing it like every year where they were like curating this little tour of bands that we loved when you were probably in middle school maybe you were in high school but i've seen a lot of bands that i really like that way um so that was exciting and marcy playground like my you know
0: like i only my, know the one song i think from them the sex uh, and candy and then it, who was the other band
1: local H. you probably oh, know them l-
0: i do yeah down to the floor
1: but uh they had uh they were playing and they're only a two piece band which i think a lot of people might not know it's just a drummer and a guitarist marcy they're, Playground no sorry local um local age oh I and not was know like, that. it's only a two-person band and i'm like yes and damn they were loud and it was so good but on one of their songs hands on the bible hands on the bible they had the drummers from Marcy playground and everclear come out and oh my god it was amazing
0: so they had like three drummers
1: yeah That's and cool. it was amazing i like when um, bands do
0: stuff like that on, at a show when they like kind of cross over. it's like yes. a, it's like a comic book crossover in a lot of ways
1: it's so fun um but yeah that was that was really great and I didn't think I was gonna be able to hear today I really need to start wearing
0: hearing aids earplugs. or not hearing aids <laughs> oh, sorry <laughs> I think
1: that's the opposite of what I, need, I meant
0: but... earplugs <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes maybe uh, one day I should just keep them in my wallet but I'm like then it's gonna mess with the way the music sounds yeah and...
0: I've I mean when I was playing too like I always I tried to wear them and it would just it would mess me up because it just sounded so weird and um, I definitely, I know I have hearing problems because of it, so.
1: And I've tried before, and it just makes it, I don't know, it's obviously muffled, but.
0: Well, did you see, um, any other movies or shows?
1: Not that I can remember, because oh, okay. I didn't keep a list this time.
0: Yeah, you should really use Letterboxd. obviously, uh, um, one that we.
1: I feel like maybe they are a secret sponsor that you just do me in on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love Letterboxd, and I can't get enough of the app, um. And I, I I pay for the uh, the pro version. Um, it's like a twenty dollars a year, I think, and it keeps statistics of what you watch though. And like, it's it's really cool because it gets like nerdy, extensive. Like, it'll tell you like which actors you've seen the most movies from this year. Um, and you can do all time or each year that you've been a member of the pro. It'll keep track of your stats. And I, I just love seeing it because I watch so many movies. It's cool, like being able to break it down and be like, oh, I watched this many hours of movies, and, and probably, I've seen movies wait. from these countries and stuff.
1: Yeah, and also I think those uh, <coughs> things that you don't realize, like maybe you're seeing a whole lot more, like many more films from an actor or a director than you yes. probably realize. That does happens it also a lot. Keep up with like your genres, genres and stuff. Yeah, it
0: I mean, does. Um, it it's really cool. Uh, and I didn't I didn't notice it last year till like the end of the year, so I don't know at what point um I could have looked at my stats, but like this year it's already letting me look at my 2018 stats and um just you know since we're talking about it so far uh this year i've watched 350 hours of movies um 203 diary entries which means i've watched 203 entries this year 203 movies this year um uh films by well i have those really busy months uh when i was at south by and tribeca and florida film festival where i saw like my busiest week was at tribeca i saw 17 films um, on April 16th through April 22nd. So that was Dang. so busiest week of the year. Um, I have seen Tully is my most watched film. I saw it three times, uh, with, um, a couple other movies seeing twice. Let's see here. Um, the stars, the most watched, you have a guess of which actor I've seen the most movies from this year. It's a three way tie. In fact,
1: <sighs> I feel like one of them is going to be, and I'm blanking out on his name, But from rudderless
0: uh uh, billy crudup no not really i don't think i've seen anything from him this year actually that was all last Mm -hmm. year but um one of the actors has right now two movies i think still in theaters and he's about to have a third in theaters is it domino no he's not he's not currently in any movie you're not he's hold on he's a villain
1: Just tell me. I'm really tired. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's okay. Josh Brolin. I've seen five oh, movies.
1: That's um, right, because he's in the Avengers, right? And he's,
0: he's in... He's Thanos in the Avengers. Uh, he's Cable in Deadpool 2. Deadpool. And what's
1: and the, the
0: other one? Uh, he'll be in Sicario Day of the Soldado. Okay, that's um,
1: right. Coming out
0: in a week, I think. And then we've watched a few uh, PTA movies that he was in. And we that's watched right. No Country for Old Men, which he is the lead. Right. Um, so I've seen five movies with him, but I've also seen five movies with your boy, John Hamm, and five movies with Jenny Slate, although a lot of hers, she's just in really small parts, but, um, and then John C. riley has got four films because we watched, again, PTA had he's a a main go-to for PTA. Um, Tom Hanks is four, like a bunch of these are four, but Brolin will be six next week when, uh. Sicario comes out. And in fact, I'm planning on watching Sicario, regular Sicario, not Dave Sazado, again, because I've only seen it once and I want to rewatch it before I see the sequel. So that'll make it seven Josh Berlin films. Um,
1: that movie is so nuts. I just wasn't expecting it. Well, you
0: know. The sequel I thought was, like, ridiculous. I couldn't believe they were making a sequel. Um, yeah. it, it is Tyler Sheridan writing, though, and he wrote the first one. He wrote Hell or High Water. He uh, directed. Um, Oh, my gosh. The Wind River from last year. And um, I'm a fan of his stuff. So, uh, but the critical acclaim about this movie is coming out real positive that it's really, really good. So, I'm kind of excited about this movie. I can't wait to see how good it is. Um nice. Director I've seen the most of? Pretty obvious, I think. We spent a whole month watching his movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, PTA um, with five. And it even keeps track of crew like i can tell you which like cinematographers i've seen the most stuff from or editors uh, like it's pretty cool like how specific it gets um my lowest movie of the year so far my lowest rated film uh is the open house um which was a netflix original Ooh. which sucks so bad
1: was that the one with justin Timberlake?
0: no it's uh that's book of henry um this it's the one with uh Dylan Mignette, who is from 13 Reasons Why, and uh, he's in Let the Right yep. Ones In, the American version of that, so if I'm saying the wrong one, um, but, uh, oh, I thought it did tell me, what was the, you asked me if it told me something, I can't remember what it was now.
1: Oh, your most, like, watched genre.
0: Oh, I thought it did, I don't see genre. Um, That's weird, I could have swore that's, it did. Oh, it does, I'm mean? looking right past it, I'm sorry, um, 110 dramas this year. Uh SAP sixty seven comedies though. Um okay. least watched so far, horror, which isn't surprising. I'm not a huge horror person. I've seen eighteen horror films, but I wanna point out that it's I watched the most horror in October. Um, so I've got a few months to like it'll it'll probably get thirty movies dumped on it from that point. Um But yeah. Uh, and thirty one romances, which I'm sure some of this is crossover, like I'm sure some of those sixty seven comedies are also romances. Um, cause I am a big rom-com person. Um, but yeah, uh, that's, you know, that is a uh, letterbox stats for if you're a pro member. And I, again, it's, I think it's really cool because I watch so many movies like getting to, um, kind of n- break down those numbers is, is intriguing to me. So I like that little feature. Uh, there's other stuff you can do with the pro members, not just the stats, but I really like the stats a lot. All right. Um, well, since you can't remember if you watched anything else, because you don't keep good substantial lists on Letterboxd like I do, then <laughs> let's get into our movie of the week. Um, this week, Corey picked A Single Man, um, from 2009, uh, written and directed by Tom Ford, um, based on a novel by Christopher Isherwood, and I don't know why, I kept thinking this movie was based on a true story, but it is not, um, but in my head when I was watching it, I kept thinking this was real. Um, I don't know if it's because a couple of the other ones we watched have been, and that it was just, like, in my head that we were picking, like, true story movies, but um, this stars Colin Firth, who, I gotta say, I don't think I, I I don't think I can get enough of Colin Firth, like, I, I I haven't seen everything he's done, but I love him in the Kingsman movies, and he's so good in this, he's so charming. Um, Yes,
1: that's the perfect word, and that's exactly what I was thinking.
0: And I am going to be watching mamma mia for the first time because mamma mia here we go again is coming out soon and i plan on reviewing it so i feel like i should go ahead and watch the first one um but uh he's in those films so i'm that's kind of my like silver lining i'm like well at least colin firth is in both of them like but uh, Mm -hmm. maybe he'll get me through uh if i can't tolerate i'm not a huge amanda seafried fan um especially not her singing uh, I like oh, her in some stuff, but, like, I hated her in Lay Miz*. It was, like, one of my least favorite parts of Lay Miz*.
1: I uh, love her in Mean Girls, though, and I love yes. her in Big Love. So. And sh-
0: she's really good in um, The First Reformed with Ethan Hawke uh, that I just <sighs> saw. So
1: I really want to see that. We were supposed to see that this week, but it didn't work out.
0: Well, I'm hoping um, I can tolerate her singing in uh, Mamma Mia and Mamma Mia Here We Go Again. But... The other thing that sold me on here we go again though is that um lily james i think from baby driver is the lead well she's playing meryl streep as a young person like mm. um like meryl streep's younger self that's who and so i'm a big fan of hers so i'm you know i'm like okay well i'm in for that and now colin firth has got me but uh, continuing with this movie sorry uh, we have colin firth julianne moore who's always great um matthew good I don't think it's Goody, but I think it's Matthew Good, Nicholas Hout or Holt. Um, and most of the other people are really small. You do have Jennifer Goodwin in like three or four scenes, but she's got almost no lines. Um,
1: and I do need to take a moment. Um, I really like Lee Pace, and I was really happy. He had a part, even though it was really small, <laughs> in the movie. He played uh, one of the professors. He was the one that's walking oh, okay. with him after the class.
0: Oh, yeah, he's way down on the list here. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't realize. So cause I, I, I like him. He's in stuff that I've seen.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. He's Ronan. Um, I forgot about that in Guardians of the Galaxy. Covered in purple makeup. But... um, Oh. Well, that's interesting. Apparently, he's going to be in the Captain Marvel movie. Oh. I did not know that. Um, which makes sense. I think he's the same race as the original Captain Marvel. So... Um, okay. So... This film, uh, it's the plot summary, it says an English professor, one year after the sudden death of his boyfriend, is unable to cope with his typical days in the in 1960s Los Angeles. Um, Corey, what are your initial thoughts on A Single Man?
1: I didn't really know what to expect. I haven't seen Nocturnal Animals. Oh, I have. And
0: Completely different uh, movies,
1: though. I didn't know what to expect like mm-hmm. you know from his, his director him as a director because we all know that you know he's a clothing designer yeah uh, pretty you know famous one uh, that's well regarded I just didn't know like you know I expected it to be aesthetically beautiful and I and I expected to enjoy you know everything about it visually but I didn't know what to expect and I ended up really loving this movie and I try not to take notes or anything while I'm watching a movie and I don't take a lot of notes anyways I'm a horrible person but when I was going I just kept thinking about certain things in the movie that I really really liked and you know it just leaps and bounds better than I was expecting which I love when that happens
0: yeah um I wasn't sure I knew that obviously this was going to be like an uh, LBGD lbgtq movie but i didn't know exactly how the like the story was going to play out and it's um it's i don't know it the tone of this film is so intriguing because there is like a, a cloud of mourning over the entire film and yet it's not i didn't feel like i felt bad for him but at the same time there there's this like a glimmer of hope that, like, shines through the clouds, like, throughout the film, and it's always, it's always just there, and it's partly because of how he directs it, and I did watch this little, uh, YouTube video from Fandor, Fandor, excuse me, which is a streaming service, but they had a YouTube video where they kind of broke down, uh, like, the style of the film, and, um, Tom Ford does some really cool stuff with the, the color, like, the, the flashback sequences with, um, his, uh, dead dead boyfriend jim uh matthew good um are in black and white but most of the film is in like this kind of muted yellow and then uh when he focuses in on something when he like he's drawn to something like there's some close-ups of like a, a woman's eye and like you can see her eyeliner and the iris and then he looks at her lips and they're really bright vibrant red so whenever he like does these close-ups there are these vibrant colors and these are like things that Colin Firth is noticing because um he is he's kind of at his wits end he's not sleeping well he's not feeling well and he just can't his heart's been broken um and then there is this uh that whole element of being in the 1960s as a gay man it's not accepted he's not I, I don't think he's out to most people um, he's definitely out to Julianne Moore's character, Charlie, but otherwise it, it seems like he's, he's closeted and he's, I don't think he's closeted by his own decision. I think he just knows that it's something that most people don't think is okay. And so he just keeps it to himself. Um, and you get, there's hints of that throughout the film, but I, I was also really impressed. Um, I wasn't sure I was in the mood for it cause like I, I didn't sleep well last night, um, I had to drive almost two hours home, and I, I basically, I ate lunch, sat down, and watched the movie, and I wasn't sure if I was, like, up for a serious drama, and one, because of his charm, and two, because it's just so well told, like, the film is, it's constructed so well, um, I don't know, I was, I was really, really blown away by this movie, and again, I didn't know this existed until you brought this to my attention, um, and I, I should have, because I watched Nocturnal Animals, I, I was very much aware Tom Ford, directed it, I don't know, I guess I never went and looked at his other directing roles, that he only has this other movie, but I hadn't, I guess I didn't do the research.
1: I've wanted to see it since before it was released, and I just, I don't know.
0: Well, I'm glad you thought of it, um, when we were making our list of what to watch, because um, it's definitely one, I, I'm not, I don't regret buying it. No. Mm -hmm. Um, I do wish it was digital, uh, because I like to have digital copies of stuff. Um, I I hope they're going to add it to the digital collection at some point. Because it is weird that a movie that was... um, Colin Firth got a nomination for Best Actor for this movie. And um, I haven't seen a lot of his bigger dramas. Like, I haven't seen King's Speech. Oh, so good. And I have not seen... um, Well, I've not seen Bridget Jones's Diary, which... I don't know that I will watch that, but... um, Eh. Oh, he's in Mary Poppins, the new one that's coming out with um, Emily Blunt. That's exciting. I didn't realize that. Um, but yeah, I have a lot of his movies I need to go back and watch. And um, I'm I'm really glad that we watched this one though, because I I it was a really interesting story. I think it's super human. Like I feel like that's the most standout element of this movie is how relatable his story is even though it's not something i can say i definitely never gone through what he went through but it's it's unbelievably connecting to this character like i am totally understanding where he's coming from um i like this character i i I want him to overcome and and then there's there's some dark stuff in this movie that i think we'll need to go into spoilers to discuss but um do you have anything you want to say before we jump into spoilers don't do the warning yet no Before you do the warning, um, (laughs) I think it sounds like Corey and I both highly recommend this film. If you didn't watch it um, before you listen to this podcast, here is where you're going to want to stop. Corey.
1: Guys, from here on, spoiler warning, we'll talk about this movie in great detail. You'll have to go buy it, (laughs) but it's definitely worth your time and money.
0: Yeah, excuse me. It's not something... Excuse me. It's not something easy to get unfortunately it's not on netflix it's not on amazon prime not even to rent or digitally purchase you have to buy a physical copy
1: i thought it was weird too it's only available new as a dvd not even a blu-ray
0: yeah there's no blu-rays um from what i saw uh i think i mean
1: you can order it used but
0: Mm, it's out of print which is uh, yeah yeah, i don't know why um you know you and i would have thought with nocturnal animals because i own nocturnal animals digitally so, you know, a lot of times when a director has another movie that does well, they'll bring back their new, their other stuff or they'll, you know, yeah, redistribute it or whatever. Um, so I'm surprised because uh, Nocturnal Animals got a lot of praise and it's really good. It's I think this is better, um, but it's more straightforward. Nocturnal Animals is a layered narrative and there's a lot of stuff happening in it. Um, and it's really good, but I, I just, I really think this one is, maybe it's, this one's just more... Um, or, or easier to connect with the main character and kind of sympathize with what they're going through. So the, the cloud that I was talking about is that he is cont- he's planning on killing himself that day. And so we're spending one day with him, which is kind of an interesting you know, setup for the film too. It's like we're spending his last day on Earth with him. And Ford has to uh, make us understand why he's come to this point, why he's ready to kill himself. And he does that partially through the flashback showing how great a relationship he had with Jim and why losing Jim is so devastating to him. Um, we see his some of his other uh, existing relationships mainly with Charlie and how that is problematic because she's supposed to be like his best friend. And they did have a physical relationship when they were younger before he had um, become maybe before he realized he was gay or before he was okay with being gay. They don't really get into specifics as to, you know, if he was just trying to be like quote unquote normal at the time, uh, which would have probably been, um, it's 1960s when we're with him, but I would imagine that was probably 20 to 30 years earlier because he's supposed to be older because he's older than Jim and they were together for 16 years, we're told. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so like ford does a, a terrific job of navigating where you, you i don't want him to kill himself you know like i don't ever i don't think i've ever wanted a character to kill themselves in any movie but i'm, I'm like oh my god this is going to be tough that we're gonna have to watch him commit suicide and yet um i you know i i understand like i'm not judging him for wanting to do it and i i feel i don't like saying that like i'm you know what i mean like do, do you get what i'm saying
1: Oh, yeah. If anything happened to Bill, I would be devastated. <laughs> Someone yeah. might have to come rescue me from myself.
0: Um, yes, and that's the problem, right? Because Charlie's not trying to rescue him. She's trying to rescue herself. Cause she she's
1: being selfish as Super oh, get selfish. Out. She, like, just. Tells him that it's his fault that their relationship didn't work out, and this is what she wanted, and they could have had a good life. And mm-hmm. I forget what exactly she says about oh. Jim, but she doesn't regard it as a real true relationship. romantic relationship. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he sets her straight on that. but
0: She dismisses just, his relationship with Jim as a substitute. Um, That her, his relationship is a, a substitute for a real relationship. And that was, like, the most hurtful. His reaction to was so perfect to me because he was clearly angry but he also can tell that she's not all there you know like she seems off a lot like she's at once they'd been drinking quite a bit at that point too but also like she's been devastated by being left and he knows that so he's sympathetic to her despite her blatant disregard for his love you know And also,
1: his suffering right now, I mean, she's gone through a divorce, and she doesn't have a very good relationship with her son, obviously, but Mm -hmm. she doesn't give him any any empathy at all.
0: Mm. No, she's super selfish. Um, and he's kind of playing into that, but he also knows, like, that he's not gonna be around anymore. You know, so he's, it's almost like he's just trying to give her one positive moment to remember him before he goes.
1: Um... So, obviously, uh, that kind of sadness and just watching him tie up those loose ends and making everything so easy for others, you know, like cleaning out his office, um, his university office and his lockbox and putting all of his legal papers and his will out, mm-hmm. that just...
0: And his funeral suit, what he wants to be buried in. told
1: me, and told them how to tie his tie?
0: Yeah, the Windsor knot, and even his uh, cufflinks, like, it was, and I mean, I do want to point out, like, the fashion in this movie, you can definitely tell it's Tom beautiful. Ford knows what he's doing, because the opening scene of him getting ready and, like, saying... It kind of reminds me of American Psycho in a way, but, like, different, because American Psycho, he's talking about, like, how he goes through this ritual to, like, present this version of himself to the world, and that's very similar to how Colin Firth is, except their reasoning is different. You know, Colin Firth is that he's miserable inside, but he presents himself as that he's fine, um, that he's... Everything's okay, but, uh, this particular day, everyone who sees him says, are you okay? You don't look so good. Um... And so, I didn't realize that. Yeah, everyone says that to him. Um, basically, like, you know, no, are you feeling does. The student does. The uh, I think Lee Pace does. The professor definitely does. I I think I looked away when he was on screen with him, mm-hmm. and so I didn't recognize who it was. But um, I heard him say, "I was like, here's another one," um, and I wasn't sure if they were referring to him being, you know, like that he's sad because he's planning on killing himself. But what there's a hint at the very beginning of the film he takes the aspirin, he starts to walk out of the bathroom and he stops and like rests and he like grabs his shoulder they're hinting that his heart is bad and then uh, Charlie mentions it too that she's like, you had like the heart attack or whatever it was last year and he just kind of brushes it off and then it comes to fruition at the end of the movie and so um, we didn't
1: see that coming from a million miles away, but
0: I didn't I, see him come, dying of a no? heart attack, yeah
1: well, because like he, the whole time he's like, you know, in this film, it's flashbacks in this one day, but mm-hmm. it's showing him trying to commit suicide and he just can't, he just can't do it. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't really know why it just isn't working. He looks like he's uncomfortable and he just doesn't feel like he's getting it right. And yeah. he tries all these different things. And then he finally just, you know, and, and after, you know, she like mentioned, you know, I was just like... Okay, so see,
0: I I didn't know. I thought he wasn't going to kill himself. Like I, I, expected him to change his mind. And Nicholas How um, or Holt, I, I keep messing up his name. Um, he, uh, that whole story is really interesting because I'm still not a hundred percent if the kid was in love with the professor or not. It's I definitely feel like he was implied.
1: Attracted to him.
0: It's definitely heavily implied, but it almost seems like he's not sure yet where he stands with like being attracted to a man.
1: So this is what I think was interesting because, and I I mean, it's a personal thing, but I'm genuinely interested because when he, when George meets Jim, Uh they have comments and they kind of talk about Charlie and how George had this physical relationship. And Jim is like, well, I've never had a romantic relationship or physical relationship with a woman. And he's like, you've never done that. Well, how modern are you or something? Mm -hmm. And then... I, I feel like that's probably a common, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know.
0: It I is. Just found it it interesting. is interesting to me um, in this the way it's presented in this movie that there seems to be like an understanding when the two men are flirting. You, you know like when he meets uh I think the guy's name was Carlos um when he meets him outside the oh, store yeah which is my only complaint by the way of this movie not it's Carlos. Well, no, like, I mean, that actually, after seeing My Own Private Idaho, that wasn't really that surprising to me. Um, but...
1: Oh, no, I meant, I was just clarifying Carlos, the handsome prostitute. Ah,
0: sorry, yes, but what upset me about the movie was an editing faux pas, if you will. I, I don't know if it was an error, but we see Colin Firth walk into the store, and Carlos is in the phone booth. And then we get a jump cut to Carlos starting to walk in the store and Firth walking out. And, um, it's really jarring to me, and it's the only time this type of cut happened in the movie that I saw. Now, I did look away a couple of times, so there is a chance that there were other jump cuts that I missed, but I don't think so. And to not have it reoccur makes it feel like it was a mistake, because it wasn't a way he was, like, showing passage of time anywhere else in the film. It was only this moment, and it was unnecessary, um... the way they did it because he's in the but phone booth it jumps and then he's out of the phone booth walking into the store
1: do you think that it was to make it feel unnatural though because i totally felt like carlos was setting that up
0: maybe but it's still it just the jump cut there felt bad to me like it it it, sh- it was jarring and shocking and i would i feel like there's a dozen other ways you could have had that same feeling that you're describing without it looking like it did and that could be because he's a first-time director. Maybe he didn't get the coverage he needed. Um, maybe there was supposed to be a dissolve there that wasn't added. Or, again, maybe it was just a choice that I don't like. And that's definitely possible. You, what you're saying could have been his intention. I don't think it's the right choice there. That's my opinion, of course. Um, did you think it was okay there?
1: I felt like it was fine. The whole thing just seemed so unnatural to me. Like, the meeting. like Because... I mean, Carlos was propositioning him. You yeah, know, I, I
0: guess. Um, I see. I didn't feel like that was Carlos' uh, intention. It felt like it just kind of happened.
1: I don't know because he was watching him go into the store. He was. Yeah, and I just feel like, and then after the end of their, you know, their meeting and they're like leaning on the back of his car, and he's like, no one's ever. I forget his verbiage, but no one's ever given something to me and not expected something back. Because I think he gives them a twenty or something, or he gives them he something.
0: gives him a twenty. Yeah, he hands him a twenty. Um, I yeah, I mean, and again, that's a small complaint considering this is Ford's first directing uh, role, and um, that was the only like glaring thing that I noticed. And again, it doesn't mean I'm right here. It's it's a preference I have. I don't generally like jump cuts that don't seem highly functional or purposeful. And it just... And it wasn't even, like, the exact same camera angle, which is what made me think it was a mistake and not um, an intentional, like, passage of time jump cut. Um, usually, if you're going to jump like that, you'll one, you'll do it multiple times to establish this pattern to, like, this is how I do this thing. Whenever I want time to pass, I will have these jump cuts. And then it would be like, okay, cool. It's a, it's a style. It's a choice. This seems like a mistake because it was only in the film once. Um, but again... And- it is a unique... It's the only time he's meeting somebody completely new in the movie. Mm-hmm. And and it's a unique situation. And again, that's kind of... I started saying, like, how um, the men seem to know that... Because if Carlos propositioned the wrong person here, he's getting beat up or, you know, hurt because of the time period. You know what I mean? Like, if, mm-hmm. if he had propositioned someone who wasn't interested in men, things would have been very different, right? And jim too at the when they meet at the bar and he like they seem like they make eye contact and they seem to quickly realize that they are into each other more so than just talking you know and i love
1: the woman (laughs) offering to buy him a drink or something yeah and he's like like, no no, i'm with somebody (laughs) and then nicholas
0: Um, holt too that he's you know he's able to approach the professor in the way that he does um you know, I, I mean, it, it, to me, it was, it's like, it's especially when it's not okay yet. 1960 being out and openly gay was not, um, something that was easy to do. So like the, the fact that they were able to kind of like secretly meet, and I thought that too with Milk when, uh, he meets James Franco on the, on the subway platform. I'm like, how did, how did you know that he was gay? Like, cause you, you take a risk every time, especially then, cause he was not an outed gay man when he met Franco. In milk, you know what I'm talking about? Like, yet he, yeah, he knew it was okay
1: way. to like yeah.
0: proposition him about it. And th- that was kind of but like, how scary would that be?
1: I don't really know uh, if people are attracted to me, you know, but I wonder when you're just attracted to someone and they're attracted to you and you can just feel it. Maybe. It's just, I don't know. Maybe. Um, I, okay, we need to back up to like kind of the beginning of the film. <laughs> I loved that John Hamm played the voice of his cousin.
0: Oh, was that John Ham? Yes. Is he credited? He has,
1: I don't know. I was reading. I was like so excited. I was like, "Oh my god, John Ham!" Um, because I have a crush on him, but I just think he's fantastic. But um, yeah, I was like, "Oh my god, this is John Ham!" And then um,
0: yep, uncredited. Yeah. Hank, Hank Ackerley voice, man, that's awesome.
1: He has such a distinct voice. I don't know. Um, I love that.
0: Uh, Did you see the the shout out to Psycho though? The big hmm. pu- um where uh, when he parks his car to go to the liquor store and he oh, meets Carlos. Oh, that huge mural. Yeah, that's it's Janet Lee, and then on the side of it, it does say Psycho on the left side. But you can just see it because it's uh it's white letters on like the blue background. But it, the sun's hitting the spot, so the letters are kind of washed out in the the uh, the light, but there's just one angle where I was like, oh man, that's a psycho. That's awesome. Like I didn't realize that. And I'm looking at the credits and Janet Lee is uncredited because I'm assuming because of that picture, because it says Marion crane, um, as her character name. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. little nod. Definitely sets the time period.
1: The mural, but I didn't realize that it was that.
0: Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a cool little nod. Uh, I'm sure that was, you know, Ford probably was like, yes, one, it'll set the period. And then two, it's like a cool nod to Hitchcock.
1: I loved, loved watching, like, when Charlie, this is obviously a big deal, that he's coming over to dinner with her that night. I just loved watching her, like, put her makeup on while she's talking mm-hmm. on the phone. I don't know. Yeah, I, and,
0: and her acting so nonchalant while she's talking. But like, it's clearly, not a big deal. Yeah, but, but clearly yeah. huge deal. Um, I mean, the conversations with Nicholas Holt, um, I thought were really great too and the, the scene the, the lecture in the classroom when he gets um, starts talking about the minorities and he's clearly talking about the homosexual community um, and how people are afraid of what they don't know that the people are afraid of the minorities and it's very clear that that's like hitting him at that moment and he's reacting but he's trying he's trying to keep it you know, to downplay it and when you hear that phone call with John Hammond he's basically the parents didn't want to call him but John Ham's like, voice acting uh, called him because he felt like he needed to know that, that Jim died. And then he's told he can't come to the funeral.
1: And I was just, I was just, uh, there's another scene I'm going to talk about that mentions his parents. But they, I just don't understand how when you know that your kid or someone that you really care about really cares about somebody else and knowing that they would want them to be there.
0: Sometimes it's, it's. It, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons that they could throw out there. I obviously don't agree with them, but it is definitely, you know, there's going to be religious ramifications. There could be uh, concern about, like, you know, how the community might react to, like, your son's gay? What's wrong with your family? That kind of thing. I mean, the backlash was so severe at that time. Um, but I
1: felt like it was to be cruel, because they weren't even going to call and tell him. Like, he no. didn't, he wouldn't know that he wasn't coming home. Like, he wouldn't, yeah. like, question that at any point. Which, they aren't, like, super out, you know, like, you know, like, just walking comfortably in the streets and stuff like that. But they obviously live together. I mean, yeah, there's, there's no hiding that from their neighbors and stuff. Well,
0: the neighbor, um, the little girl, she, he runs into her at the bank light in the loafers light in the loafers which is <laughs> I was like what does
1: that? I was like I'm pretty sure that that's like a gay like
0: it's, from what I read it means a man is more like feminine than yeah. than not not necessarily homosexual but definitely more girly but I'm definitely thinking the context makes sense to be specifically that he's he's gay um and that it was messed up cuz the the dad wanted to throw him in the scorpion pit or the gladiator pit or whatever like that's what she said cuz that was the context Dad says he wants to throw you in there because you're light in the loafers. And it's like, oh, man, that's freaking horrible.
1: And then she says that about her. She thinks her brother is light in the loafers.
0: Yes. Which, and of then, course, like... yeah, a little bit of karma, right? <laughs> like, like yeah. the, the guy's a homophobe and then his kid will be gay. Like, Dad, that's... that's. <sighs> um, But uh, the end was not a surprise completely. Like, as soon as, like, I'm like... I knew he wasn't going to shoot himself. I knew he, wasn't gonna, he was not going to decide not to kill himself. And Nicholas Halt's character is kind of the, the thing. Like, he's given hope that maybe he can love again, which I love early in the film. The kid says um, love is like... I think he's the one who says love is like a, a bus if you wait around long enough. Oh, no, Carlos says it. It I was think. Carlos. Yeah, if you wait around long enough, another one will come. come and on. then Nicholas Halt is that that bus, essentially. You know, he, he shows up. You see it early because when he's talking to him the first time... You see that connection, and then they walk after class. You can see that connection, and then when they meet up at the bar, uh, "quote unquote" on accident. Um, which Colin Firth, I love how he plays with that. Um, and then they go skinny dipping, and it's 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 very it's it's a very innocent skinny dipping, and yet sensual at the same time. You know, like um, they're not, they don't kiss or anything. I don't think uh, I don't think ever. I don't think they ever kiss, but there is there's clearly tension. But there is like a, a wall between them, and it, it I think it's on both sides. I think, um, you know, Colin first character is still not ready to move on from Jim, and I also think Nicholas Holt's character is not a hundred percent sure he's ready to make that next step. Like he may he's attracted, but maybe he isn't ready to to admit that he's homosexual. Um, and so I think there's like they're keeping a boundary, but. Um,
1: it all is one day.
0: It is all one day. Yeah, it's one day. And then, you know, so like when he wakes up and he sees Nicholas Holtz, you know, um, sleeping on the couch and he, he decides he's not going to kill himself. He burns the, the suicide notes to Charlie and whoever. I think the other one was to the maid, um, which he left her a lot of money, which was going to be really nice, which kind of sucks. And now I'm assuming she's not going to get that money because he died, you know naturally <laughs> so I, I think I feel he,
1: like there's probably still something in his will
0: hopefully hopefully um but uh because he clearly wanted her to have it so like now that he is dead because he <laughs> does what we assume is a heart attack and there's that though it goes black and white and Jim kisses him on the lips like goodbye and um it's it's tragic and it's it's slightly ironic um that he opts not to kill himself but then dies um and and Man, even the dog, like, we didn't talk about the dogs, but the fact that he not only lost Jim, but he lost their pets was brutal, like...
1: Yes, um, I want to back up a little bit. Okay. I loved the portrayal of love in this movie, mm. I loved, like, the, their close, calm, comfortable relationship, and I love the, um, I loved how opposite they were, and how Jim, like, kept him from being too serious. Yeah. And and I love that. That's my favorite scene in the film is when they're lying on the couch and they're reading, reading books, books and listening to records. Yep. And they're talking about the neighborhood kid and how the dog just...
0: Peed on him. You
1: know, <laughs> peed on him. And it was just that kid's, you know, just deserts because they torture the dogs. And they're, but there's like that, oh they call he tells him they could take a lesson from the dogs they're sophisticated parasites and george tells jim the dumbest creatures really are the happiest just look at your mother but jim doesn't (laughs) say anything he just continues on about the dogs and then finally like a moment later he replies and he's like he's talking about how he wants to take the dogs to visit his family Because, you know, his mother really loves the dogs And he's like, it's probably the recognition of a similar mind Yeah (laughs) I'm just like, it just shows that he doesn't take things too seriously And it also kind of drove home um, What he was saying about the dogs and not worrying too much Mm -hmm. He's like, they don't lie awake They don't, like, stay awake all night Unable to sleep Because, you know I just, I felt like that really made him I mean, he was already so human to me But it just I don't know, like, that
0: yeah no I agree and even the 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 humanist relationships in the film because the guy is contemplating suicide yet he takes the time to talk to Nicholas Holt to to hear him out to see what's going on with him you know to have this conversation um and with Charlie you know
1: Feel like it showed him like slowing down and making time for things that he probably, I'm assuming, he wouldn't necessarily make time for otherwise.
0: Yeah, most likely. But when we see those flashback sequences, like they did have, he just is a genuinely kind and caring person. You see it too with his with his uh his maid or his, um, housekeeper, whatever the correct term is. Because like the bread. he <laughs> gives her a little crap about the bread, but it's like it's playful, you know, like yeah. it's not it's he's upset but it's not like
1: it's like you truly are a lifesaver or something
0: yeah like he's still kind even afterwards and he's just he's a genuinely good person who had this tragedy befall him and it's it's overwhelming and you know again like i don't i didn't want him to kill himself um and it it is kind of funny when he's like trying to figure out how to kill himself like he's he's going to shoot himself but when he's going through, like, should I sit up on the bed? Do I lay down on the bed? Do I get in the shower? And then he even, like, acts out the whole, like, hitting the wall and sliding down the wall, which He gets jarring. in a sleeping bag. Yes, the sleeping bag. Oh, my goodness. I
1: was like, is he doing that for the maid to try to, like, yeah. not make it be messy? Because he's
0: I, Probably know? trying to minimize the shock that she's going to have when she finds him. Um, and, and, yeah, clean up and, and all that, too, um. Plus, I mean, he, you know, you're assuming he's leaving the house to somebody, so you, you, resale value is a thing. Like, you know, there's, it's not easy to resell a house that has suicide in especially if there's, like, blood splatter on the wall, that kind of thing. So, um, he's definitely, he's being him. He's being, like, prim and proper. You know, everything to a T, like, you know, everything taken care of. Um, and, you know, and that's, I guess, kind of the irony is he's so planned out and so meticulous that he ends up dying in a way that he was shrugging off. He kept telling everyone he was fine. You know, he, like, even when Charlie brings up the heart attack thing, he, like, shrugs it off as though it was nothing, and that's what gets him in the end, you know? So it's like, if you hadn't, um, been, like, you're, you were so focused on one thing, you neglected something else. And, uh, I don't know if that's a, a theme we're supposed to take away, that, um... Because that is kind of in a, in a way too. That's what you're saying. Because he when he calls Charlie in the first place, he had already he had already told her no about hanging out, but changed his mind and it was like, "Hey, are you still open tonight?" Because now he's saying goodbye, but he had pushed it off, and so you can you can infer from that that maybe he'd been doing that. And like you said, this seems like he's slowing down and like stopping and smelling the roses because this is his last chance to smell the roses and so maybe that's the kind of message at the end too is like here he thought he was done he was done has that decision like you know what i'm not done and then he's taken out by something he neglected i i yeah i definitely i think i love this movie um so i'm i'm very glad you picked it Corey.
1: thanks
0: is there anything, else, <laughs> is there anything else you want to discuss from this?
1: Um, Julianne Moore was beautiful, and I loved her hair and her makeup and everything in this movie.
0: I love her joke um, that a kid asked her if she was a natural blonde, and she, her response was, <laughs> if she did a handstand, you'd be talking to a brunette with, with great breath or something like that. Like, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: oh. Um.
0: Yeah, so that was a shocking kind of funny thing, but
1: yes um no i don't have anything else all
0: right um i'm i think the the rating's obvious for both of us it's a must-see unanimous yes Uh, um so with that said uh a single man directed by tom ford we give the must-see rating and let's look at next week um which we i had two on the list and i am going to go with the uh, sean baker film that i've been meaning to watch for a very long time uh we'll be watching tangerine um, this film uh, d- got a lot of praise at Sundance uh, came out in 2015 um, Sean Baker is not directorial debut, but this is the film that kind of brought him into stardom I would say um, and partly because he filmed it with iPhone 5s's, uh, Using an app called filmic Pro a, a steady cam mount for the phones and some attachable lenses on the phone cameras but everything was filmed from iPhones and it basically proved that you can shoot high-quality feature film with your phones now. And uh, Steven Soderbergh did that this year with Unsane. Um, he filmed with iPhone, I think, 7s instead. Uh, but Tangerine got a lot of praise um, at, I think, Sundance. And it is, it has been on Netflix, and it was the other day, so I'm assuming it still is.
1: It is also on Amazon.
0: Oh, very nice. Um, so two ways you can watch it. Um, uh, the premise says a hooker tears through Tinseltown on Christmas Eve searching for the pimp who broke her heart. Um, and I am under the understanding that it is not what? just a hooker. It is a uh, transgender hook, um, hooker. So, uh, and it's supposed to be a comedy, actually. There's supposed to be a lot of humor in this movie. Um, it's listed as comedy, crime, drama, and it uh, clocks in, in just under an hour and a half. Um, and much like Florida Project... Uh, Sean Baker was inspired with his writing partner, Chris Bergoch. Um, They were driving down, I think, Sunset Boulevard or whatever. This is all set, like, at an intersection in L.A. And uh, I think the lead character is an actual prostitute or was an actual prostitute or something like that. Um, If I'm wrong on that, they are transgender, though. Uh, And um, the stories that are in the film, much like Florida Project, are based on real-life scenarios, not necessarily a true story but, like, um, in Florida Project, you have the homeless, the hidden homeless, as they call it. That is a real problem in the area that the movie's set in. But that's the same thing with Tangerine. That's my understanding. That is Sean Baker's kind of style. He likes to do these hybrid, like, they're not a mockumentary. They're not a documentary. But they are very much based on real-life struggles. Um, and he finds a really great way to tell these story. So I've been wanting to watch this uh, since I saw Florida Project. Actually, I wanted to watch it before, but... Um, I wasn't sure, you know, how, um, vulgar this movie might get. I'm still not sure, but I am a Sean Baker fan so far, and I'd like to finally knock this one off my, uh, gap list, so.
1: Also, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. I lied, guys. The uh, the tangerine that I found on Amazon is not that tangerine.
0: Oh, so yes, be mindful of that. Um, this has been on Netflix, though, and the, uh, the box art's gorgeous because it's a sunset, um, with a silhouette of the people walking down the street, um, I am excited to check this one out. So we'll be back next week um, to talk about Tangerine in detail. And before we wrap up completely, Corey, I do want to mention, I, I, I mentioned earlier, I teased that I would talk about some movies that I got at a used bookstore. Yes. So there's a small near the beach I was staying at um, that I went to uh, while I was waiting for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom to start. Mm-hmm. And I'm just walking around the mall and I find this used bookstore called 321 Books. Now, I don't know if it's a chain or not, but it looked like a chain because it's a massive used bookstore. And I've never seen a used bookstore in a mall before. And it's not like it's a dirt mall. Like, it's a really nice mall. Like, they have, you know, the, the normal mall stuff. There's Hot Topic and J.C. JCPenney's. And then there's, a, like, a Red Robin in the, in the mall. And there's a, um, a Rubio's uh, seafood taco stand. I can't remember. It's Rubio's really Coastal Grill. Really good fish tacos, by the way, at Rubio's. Um, and, you know, they have the Chick-fil-A and the food court. It's, it's a normal, nice mall. And there's this used bookstore there that's got basically what I would say is two shops. Like, there are two adjacent stores um, that have, like, a, a opening in between them where you can either go from either entrance or you can walk in between, like, while you're in the store. Um, and, uh, th- like, they have really good deals on books and stuff, but they had DVDs for two bucks. And so I went hunting um, because I was like, oh, two bucks isn't bad. I'm going to go through all of their DVDs, which wasn't a lot. Like it was probably maybe 200 DVDs that I flipped through, um, but I found seven and I was mad. I thought I got Fiddler on the Roof, but apparently I left that one somewhere and didn't buy that one. So I should have had eight DVDs, but um, I got some really good stuff. Uh, I got the big Sick on Blu-ray for two bucks, Corey, two bucks, kick butt deal on that. Um, I got Caddyshack and, uh, Get Shorty, which I've always heard is great, but I've never seen. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I got. Uh, Guys and Dolls, I think. And, um, oh, of course, I'm going to forget everything now. Oh, Moulin Rouge that I've been told is, is a really great musical that I need to watch. So I've added that. And, um, one last thing, uh, this is not related to the bookstore, but I, I got some good movies for a good deal. But, uh, when I put in my dvd of a single man there was a trailer for a film called nines that I knew nothing about and had not seen did you have you heard of this movie nines no so it's a musical um and it has uh like Kate Hudson's in it uh Judi Dench um Fergie is in it um uh. I think Nicole Kidman uh Penelope Cruz and then um there's one other uh, I can't remember her name right now but the big draw for me, which I did not know, and I don't think he's on the box art, Daniel Day-Lewis is in it. Whoops! And I'm like, hold up. Because he straight up looks like his character from Phantom Thread in the trailer for Nines. I'm like, Oh my okay. god, I love Phantom Thread. I know. I'm like, okay, I need to watch Nines now. I had no idea Daniel Day-Lewis did a musical. So now I'm like, kind of all about it. Um, I really want to watch it. The the trailer from Single Man, like it was in the, the opening before I could watch the movie. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, now there's a, a new musical added to my list, but that's it. Um, if you like our podcast, please share it with other listeners. Uh, tell your friends. Post it on your social media. You can follow us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey
1: at Corey R Star, two R's on the end.
0: And that's Twitter, Instagram, um, and I'm on Letterbox. Corey is too, but she doesn't use it. But uh, if I'm you, also
1: on Twitter and I don't use it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I. I basically just barely use Twitter Um, I use Instagram the most and even that I sometimes forget to to put pictures up but I try to be active at least at least five, well four to five times a week um, on Instagram so follow us on the social media uh, and again thank you for listening, Um, Corey I will uh, talk to you in a week
1: yeah, bye guys
0: and until next time, keep watching movies this has been a Burke
1: Reviews podcast com.